Once again, I'm James Henry, uh, the pastor here at St. James, bringing the message this morning. I was thinking about it this week as I sat in my living room. Uh, one, of the, one of my favorite things to do is to watch storms as they blow in. Now, of course, it's because I don't live in an island where a hurricane is the kind of storm that blows in. Um, but it, it occurs to me, and I'm sure it's occurred to you a thousand times when you've been a part of a storm or watched a storm, that you see the effects, not the cause. Uh, especially when it's wind. I watch the trees dance across the street, but you can't see the wind. You can see the tree dance. You know, I, I watch the rain fall and then suddenly go horizontally. I know how gravity works. It's supposed to go vertically, but it went horizontally. And when I saw that, I knew there was a cause I could not see. And so often we don't ask about the cause, we just see the effect, and we deal with the effect. So as I was reading the scripture this week, much in the same way that James talked about at the very beginning of worship, I saw this week's text with a whole new set of eyes. I didn't just see the effects of what happened, I asked what could cause these effects to be the case. So I'm reading to you now from the book of Acts. The early church, uh, last week you remember a rush of wind, tongues of fire, fireworks. We remember, you know, that we are all into pyrotechnics and the bigger the better. And so we hang in Pentecost, but what Pentecost did was break down walls. And here we see even further what that looks like. So I'm reading to you from Acts chapter 2, the very tail end of the chapter, beginning with verse, um, I'll begin with verse 42. I really focused on verse 43, and 42 may throw me off completely, but I'm going to go there anyway, and if it throws me off, I'll get back to 43. 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to breaking bread and prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things, everything in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home from house to house and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved, healed, made whole. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, so often I have focused on what these pieces, because those pieces are what the church is meant to do, you know, devote ourselves to teaching, break bread together, praise, you know, worship, connect, all of those things. But what led them to this place? What was the cause behind them being together like this? Now think about it for just a moment. If you read part of that section, I know that we're Americans and we are all about capitalism because it is, you know, God's gift to us, supposedly, and that socialism is totally evil. But if I read this, they sold everything they had and gave it to each other. 
They sold everything. Now, I'm not advocating that we all become socialists, but they saw something bigger than themselves, their own personal needs. What do I get from the gospel? What does it offer me and my family and the people like me? What's in it for me? They didn't ask that question. They said, how has this good news changed me in such a way that I can give it away? And giving it away wasn't just words. Because unfortunately, over the last 2,000 words, 2,000 years, what ended, and 2,000 words, uh, we, we have come to a place now where the gospel has become words to us. Words. And let me just tell you, sisters and brothers, words are empty. Words are empty that are not followed up by the walking the walk, not just talking the talk. Anybody can say, I love Jesus. But can you love your neighbor that you don't particularly like or who behaves in a, in a way that drives you over the edge? Is it possible? Is it possible that you could be so transformed by the power of the good news of God's love for you that you can't help yourself but give yourself and your stuff away because it's going to change the world? because your neighbor is hungrier than you are. Now, I've seen a lot of giving, a lot of giving since we uh, have come into this pandemic. Some of it is right here behind me. More of it came in this morning, so we couldn't quite fit it on the table. It couldn't quite get there because the, the giving. Linda tells me that at Lurton Community Action Center, they have received Joshua said the other day they have received more in two months than they often receive in, in poundage of food. Then they receive in a whole year. Because people are generously giving of themselves. Something broke down. Suddenly they realized, you know what? My neighbor is hungry. What happens when you suddenly see your neighbor as your neighbor? Not somebody down the street who lives on the same block, but somebody who matters to somebody else. And guess what? That big somebody else is God. When you start to see that, you act different. You don't just say a bunch of nice words. Suddenly, the nice words become nice actions. Suddenly, the way you see your neighbor is no longer based on anything invented. Let me just tell you something. Whiteness was invented 500 years ago. Invented so that we could denigrate our brothers and sisters who were brown and black. And red and yellow, by the way, all the other. We invented whiteness so poor white people didn't have to feel so bad about themselves while their rich and powerful friends had everything. And by the way, friends, I use the friends word lightly there. Whiteness was invented to separate us so we wouldn't notice how tough our lives are. And we just took it out on our brothers and sisters who happen to have a different colored skin than we are. We are one race, the human race. Until 500 years ago, that's all we thought of when we talked about race, the human race. And we got a long ways to go to get back to there. Long ways to go to get back to there. But in the end, 
it's the walls that got to be brought down. And it's got to get back to this whole cause, the cause of seeing each other as Genesis 1 sees us, made in God's image. Made in God's image. And what's God's image? Well, the funny thing is, today in Christian uh, story, and I'm not going to get into it because it's very easy to get in the weeds about talking about Trinity Sunday. This is the Sunday when we talk about God as three and one at the same time. And if your mind is like mine, and in your most rational moments, it makes no sense at all. It makes no sense at all. But my most irrational moments, which are my best moments, it turns out, I understand. The three pieces of God that we think of as three pieces are so in love with each other and so busy pouring itself into each other that when you look at God, you cannot see but one, one love. One love because the Son is so into the Spirit and the Spirit is so into the Father and the Father is so into the Son that there is no difference that you can see. When the Son is doing something, so is the Spirit and the Father. When the Spirit's doing something, so is the Son and the Father. They're all doing everything together because they're one and many at the same time. One and many at the same time. Now, I often celebrate with you, and I think it's important for you to celebrate. You are each unique. You are amazing miracles of God. God has chosen to reveal God's self in each of you uniquely. That's powerful. That's beautiful. That God can be so infinitely giving and so infinitely represented that God's image can be in every individual blade of grass and each one of you. That's amazing. But in the end, we're all part of one creation, one creation of God. And we're meant to stop building walls. They're all artificial. They're all artificial. Redlining was artificial. We said those properties aren't worth as much because some of our neighbors who don't look like us live there. (laughs) We drew lines that were pretend. They were social constructs. And then we lived into them like they were true. Let's live into a different kind of truth. The truth that's the, the, the gospel, the good news. And let's not just talk about it like it's some really nice words in this book. Because in the end, if all you've got is this really nice book, you might as well use this to start a fire in your fireplace. Because these words are empty if they're words. This is a love story, sisters and brothers. By the third chapter of this book, we already think we know more than God, and we choose to do the absolute opposite of what God said. And not much further after that, we decide that we don't have to worry about each other, Cain kills his brother Abel just because. I mean, there's a nice story about why he does it, but he does just because. And when God shows up to ask him, hey, where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? And the answer over and over again throughout this entire book is, yes, you are. And yes, your brother looks like you sometimes, and sometimes they're related to you by blood but they are sometimes not. More often than not, if we go way, 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 way back in human genetics, we're all related to each other by blood. I don't run into any human being who isn't my, you know, 
2,900th cousin twice removed, or however far. We are all part of this thing that God is doing. And if we only saw each other that way, let's stop talking about the kingdom of God and talk about the kinship of God. You know, Richard Rohr put that bug in my ear last week, and ever since, I cannot help but think that's what this is all about. We are all kin. We are all kin. What do you do for your kin? Whatever it takes. What do you do to break down the walls? Whatever it takes. What do you do to love your neighbor? Whatever it takes. For those early disciples, they did wacky things. Who goes out and sells everything they have and gives it to the people who have needs? Wacky people. Wacky people who believe that somehow we are all kin and that the needs of my brother matter as much as my needs. For too long we have asked of the gospel, what is in it for me? What is in it for me? What indeed? What's in it for you is that you can finally see past your own daggone nose to the neighbor who is just as important and is loved by God as you are. That doesn't denigrate or reduce your love. What that does is say God is infinitely loving. Isn't it amazing? Periodically, my children ask me, which one do I love better? I don't love either of them better. I love each of them different. I don't love Hannah more than Joshua or Joshua more than Hannah. As much as they each, sometimes when they were little, they would always say, you know, Hannah would say, see, daddy loves me more. And then later on, Josh would say, see, daddy loves me more. And uh, the truth of the matter was, I didn't love either one of them more. I loved each of them different. They had different needs. How do you love a child who needs, you know, demonstrative love versus a child who needs words of encouragement? Well, to the words of encouragement child, you say words of encouragement. And to the demonstrative child, you hold their hand, you hug them. Because that's what they need. You don't say, well, I'm sorry. I can only give good words to both of you. The one who needs the good words and the one who could just as soon care whether I say good words. Learning to really love our neighbors is to listen. You see, right now, I I love to pontificate. I love to have the answers. I love to put out the answers. The answers to racism, I cannot answer those. I have to listen to my sisters and brothers who have been victimized by it. I don't get to say anything anymore. Except I love you and I'm listening. And respond accordingly. You see, in years gone past, every time I preached this text, I talked about how you needed to study the Bible more. I talked about how you needed to share more fellowship meals Come to communion more often, because it will connect you to God. But this week, somehow, God penetrated this thick skull of mine and said, you know what? It's not just the effects you need to see, James. Because the effects are kind of cool. That you'd be so inspired that you'd want to know everything about God, so you study the Word that you were so interested in sharing what you had that you shared meals together from house to house. 
Now we don't go to each other's houses because COVID-19. <laughs> you know, we stay at ourselves. And for those of us who do hang out together, you know, we do it at six feet distances with our masks on. Because that's the most loving response. But these guys really thought that the book was serious. What would it, what, what would it do to your life if you took this book seriously? If you modeled yourself after God, whose love was so great, the Father's love for the Son was so great, the Son's love for the Spirit was so great, the Spirit's love for the Father was so great, and all the way around that circle, that you couldn't, there's so much love, all you could see was the love. You couldn't see Father, Son, and Spirit anymore. That's the one. The dynamic power of love that created everything that is was born out of the interpenetration of the love. So connected, all you could see was the love. What would happen if we were the church that was so connected? And I'm not just talking about St. James. I'm talking about the church. I don't care what denomination or anything else. What would happen if we were so connected you couldn't tell? The difference between people who were insiders and the ones that were outsiders. Instead of we were so busy labeling who's an insider and who's outsider, all we were thinking was love. Gotta love. Gotta love. Gotta love. Look, there's one of my kin walking down the street. Now, admittedly, if I ran out the door now as I just watched a person walk by the doors outside in the glass, I ran out there and said, hey, you're my kin. I love you. They, they would run away. Either that or 911. I, I don't know which. I don't know what would happen. Maybe they would feel the same way. They would run up and hug me, and then we would you know, both catch a virus. I don't know. But we can't know until we try and we live that truth. This is the kinship of God. It's what Jesus preached. Stop seeing your differences and start seeing your commonalities, everything in common. Doesn't that catch, your, catch you? They, not only did they share everything in common, but they recognized they had more in common than they had that separated them. More in common than they had that separated them. And when you start realizing that, then suddenly you start to hear the voice in a different way. You know, if that was my son who was under the knee of that officer and died and called out for mama, you better daggone well know that I would be angry. I would be angry. But if it had been happening to my people over and over and over again for hundreds of years, I would be more than angry. I would be furious. Then you begin to catch, you know, our differences aren't so wide except for the ones I invented to keep myself in one place and to keep someone else somewhere else. You see, God breaks walls. God opens doors. God says, you are the kin. I created you all to be kin of each other. Can't you get over yourselves just for a moment? Get over your imagined security needs, your imagined scarcity. There is enough to go around. We will not run out of love if we love, really love. There will always be more. 
because it's an infinite ocean of love that covers apparently a multitude of sins. So maybe our question for ourselves as the church really needs to be, how can I love more? How can I love better? How can I love with my ears and less with my mouth? How can I listen? How can I respond to a God who says, that's your kin over there. That's your kin. What would it look like if we built the kinship of God right here? I can't speak for all the other churches. That's not my job. I'm not even sure I can speak for St. James, but my work is here. And I can imagine what it would look like if the kinship of God was here. Where we loved each other beyond our imagination. Because that's God. Big. Really big. Wicked, humongous, big. So big, big isn't even a good word. And that's enough. So how are you going to love this week? That's your assignment. How are you going to love? Are you so impassioned by God's love for you that there's nothing you wouldn't do? Nothing. You would stop at nothing to make sure your neighbor knew it. Not in words, but in actions. In actions. Because we're really not that different, you and me.